Our topic this week for the Depressed People of the Bible seminar is from uh, the chapter regarding Martha and Mary, the stages of grief. Now in the book, we cover grief with three different chapters, different people uh, who experienced grief in the Bible. Uh, and so we already covered Naomi, and next week we'll cover another person. So it is a topic that is a reoccurring theme in the Bible. It's a reoccurring theme in our lives and society as a whole and each individual person. We will experience grief over and over in our lives. Sometimes major things, uh, sometimes more minor, but all losses uh, are the same and equal. And so uh, if you're experiencing grief right now, deep grief from uh, a major loss, then I encourage you to uh, read the chapter on Naomi, as well as this one, Mary and Martha, and the one following that uh, to help you with your experience currently right now. And so, the, again, out of the book, Depressed People of the Bible. And then we're also looking at principles out of the book by Dr. one of the books by Dr. Neil Nedley, uh, Depression, The Way Out, and a really fabulous book, tons and tons of information to help uh, to come out of depression. I strongly recommend uh, that book as well. So there are five segments of grief that we'll be looking at today in the life of uh, Mary and Martha as they experienced grief. And these five segments, uh, this is a well-known uh, um, analysis of grief. There's also other theories that have it at seven and others that have it at ten, but a basic of five different segments. And I prefer the word segments over stages uh, or steps because uh, those kind of indicate um, a process or, or a path, and there is no set path. While this might be the logical order, when we're experiencing grief, our mind is not in a logical state at all. It's all emotion, and so we're bouncing all over the place. So there's not a, a set start. Uh, not every time we experience grief do we start with denial. We might start with acceptance, and then bounce around from denial or these other different ones. So it can start anywhere, and there is really no end to it. Uh, we never finish grieving. Uh, because even if we're in the stage of acceptance, that's part of the stages, or steps, segments. That's, that's part of the, the, the process. And so even when we're uh, in an acceptance of segment, we're, we're, we're not done grieving. And we never really fully ever stop grieving anything. I mean, certainly a major loss is a loss that is irreplaceable, a loss of a loved one, uh, a loss of a limb, a loss of um, the ability to do something permanently. Uh, those are losses that we don't get back, and so we experience them the rest of our lives. Uh, no one can fill the place of that person who died, and so uh, that is a permanent loss. So we were always permanently grieving, but we get to a point where we're able to cope with it and function if we follow proper steps, proper uh, helps, things that we'll be covering tonight, as well as again in those other chapters and uh, in the book Depression, uh, The Way Out by Dr. Nedley and the Press People of the Bible and other uh, helps that you might find to, to help you deal with, cope with, and uh, live with the loss. Right? So it's not a, uh, and then even small losses, uh, we still continue to uh, experience them. They may be, we may be reminded of them at some point in time in our life and, and it come back up into our remembrance. And there's no set timing of how long we are in each segment. Uh, there's no, this is how it's to be and this is how long or this is too long. 
There's no set time. Uh, there's no set pattern. And that's why when people say, you don't know, you've never experienced my, my pain. You don't know what this is like. And you might be thinking, well, I don't know. I lost my spouse also. <laughs> I did go through that. It could be two people at the same job, started on the same day, and both laid off on the very same day, and their experiences will be totally different. And it could be the same person who lost one job today and lost, lost another job uh, five years ago, and their time going through it will be different. Because every loss, every grief is different, because we go through it differently. There's different, again, segments, and the pattern, there's no set pattern, no set time. And so when we, they blurt out in an angry way, you don't know what I'm going through. In a sense, they're right. No one does know what we're going through at that particular time. I should say, shouldn't say nobody, because God knows what we're going through at every point in our life. And so uh, knowing these various different segments is not essential in their names and all like that, but it is important for us to know that what we're going through when we're going through these various segments, various feelings and emotions, it's normal. It's actually good, it's actually helpful. It's actually healing. It's part of the, of the process that we go through if we handle it correctly. And so God, I believe God has given us this process to help us to cope. Now the problem is, is when we don't go through a process, when we don't accept, when we suppress these feelings, when we don't acknowledge them uh, and we suppress them, then they will burst out in some other way, shape, or form. Uh, and so some of the ways we suppress them is with alcoholism or workaholism or, or um, constantly filling our minds with noise, music, sound, uh, video, so that we never have time to stop and think and, and hear our conscience speaking to us, always trying to avoid and run. Um, and avoid drugs, various different things, illicit sex, always trying to entertainment. So various different ways we avoid going through the process of grief uh, is not healthy. And then it'll burst out in some other way, shape, or form. We might have uh, bursts of uncontrolled anger. And it might be in areas that have nothing to do with the thing we lost. It might be taken out on someone else or something else. Uh, or deep depression. Um, turn into clinical depression if it's not handled properly and healthfully. And so we don't want to suppress grief. We want to experience grief. Uh, so it's not a bad thing. And, and even again, one of these steps is depression. So not all depression is bad. We don't have to stop all depression. Right? Uh, too often, uh, I told a story when, when we looked at Naomi, when my grandmother was experiencing depression because uh, her husband of 50 years, over 50 years, died. And her doctor wanted to stop the grieving process. Take this medication because you don't, you shouldn't be sad at all. No, we need to be sad. There's a time for it. It's part of the process. And so to learn to go through it is good and is healthy and is healing. So let's look at some of these. So, uh, denial is some examples of this. So denial is like when, when a person will say, or I will say, I, I can't believe it. I can't, I can't believe this happened to me. Uh, or when after the death of a loved one, and they go to make a phone call to that person and then seconds later realize, oh no, they're not alive anymore. Right? So we're kind of in a denial state uh, at that time, or segment. Uh, anger or blame. Uh, and that anger can be on lots of different people. It could be on the person. I wish they would have eaten better and they wouldn't have died. Or, or it could be on someone else. 
uh, wish the medical profession would have helped them more, could be on yourself, I wish I visited them more, I wish I talked to them more, I wish I told them I loved them more, uh, it could be on an inanimate thing, it could be uh, uh, that car, it'd still be running if it didn't rust out, you know, uh, so we can blame an object and get angry at the object. Uh, bargaining uh, could be uh, promising, oh, I will, I'll never do that again, right? So the loss could be, uh, you lost your keys. Next time I'm gonna make sure I put it in the same place. I'm gonna put it in the right place. And so I, I'll, I'll, I'll do the right thing. And so it could be, we go through this process of grieving on everything. Big losses, loss of a loved one, a, a life, a career, again, a limb or a function in our lives, getting old, can't do certain things anymore, or, or get hurt, and can't do what we used to do. But all, all kinds of losses, little losses. I can't find my pen. <laughs> I will go through the, the, the whole process. Right? I can't believe I lost it again. Where is that stupid thing? I had it right here just a few seconds ago. Where is it? Barbara, did you take my pen again? <laughs> I just say, why are, they, why are you blaming me? I didn't see your pen. <laughs> like blame, anger, bargaining. Oh, if, you don't stop, if you stop touching the stuff on my desk, I won't blame you next time. <laughs> Right? And then even, I'll go find another pen. Don't necessarily stop there. Right? Keys. Right? You can say, uh, I can't believe it. $100 for a stupid key. Where's my key? <laughs> I can't believe I lost my key again. I like charge so much for a stupid little key. Then even get to acceptance. Ah, I'll go buy the key. You go buy the key. But then, you know, you might remember that you pull out the key again. I can't believe I paid $100 for this stupid thing, right? So you're back in the process again, right? And then I'll, maybe it'll turn up somewhere. You know, I wonder, I bet it's in that. <laughs> and so continually going through, even years later. And so depression, depression, again, crying. And crying's okay, crying's good, right? We're at a funeral for someone that we love, and we're not crying. Or at some point in that time, that's not healthy, right? We need to, it's good to cry. It's okay to be depressed. It's okay to be sad when we experience loss. It's part of the, the process. And then again, even acceptance is not the end. Uh, and even while we're in acceptance, again, eventually we, we'll go back through it again. Right? Someone will remind you of some of your childhood. Oh yeah, I used to have matchbox cards. Oh, well, you know, I think my brother took some of those cards. <laughs> Whatever happened to those cards? And it can start up all over again. So acceptance is not an end. It's just one of the segments that we go through when we get to a point of just you know, resolving and, and giving up. Another example of bargaining, let's say, let's say you get laid off. You go back, I promise I'll work harder, or I promise I'll take a pay cut. So you're bargaining. Right? And the bargaining might be with God. God, oh, if you just, I will. I promise I will be more spiritual, I'll do more, or whatever. Right? So we can get into this bargaining uh, segment as well. So those are the various segments that we go through and every loss. So an example in the Bible from the John chapter 11, verse 1. Lazarus was sick, the brother of Mary and Martha. The sister sent to Yeshua saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Yeshua heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days where he was. And after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. 
And so he gets the message and he chooses to stay there for two more days, guaranteeing that it'll be at least four days before he gets to Judea to, to Lazarus' house. So he does that on purpose. He chooses to do that. And sometimes God chooses not to answer our prayers right away. Sometimes God chooses to allow us to experience loss because he has a greater purpose planned out. And you might say, well, what's a greater purpose than someone like Lazarus dying, being sick unto death? How can you get bigger than that? Well, there is a bigger plan than even life here on earth, sickness on earth, and, and, and surviving here on earth for a time. God has a bigger plan. If it, if it wasn't for Yeshua delaying for two days, we wouldn't be talking about it tonight, <laughs> 2,000 years later. Right? If he just sent the word and healed him, it would just be another one of those stories. may not even make it into the Bible. So Yeshua had a plan bigger and greater than Lazarus' uh, temporary life here on earth. And, I mean, Yeshua didn't cause Lazarus to get sick. Yeshua didn't cause Lazarus to die. Right? Uh, so it's not that he brings the problem, but sometimes he allows problems, and he allows sometimes problems to even continue, even horrific things, horrific losses, because, again, he's got a bigger plan, and he will work all things together for good, to those who love God, those called according to his purpose. And heaven will look back and say, yes, he was right, he was wise, it was good, he didn't answer it right away the way I wanted, the way I thought. He knows what is best. So he said to his disciples, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. And his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. However, Yeshua spoke of his death, but he thought that he was, they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. And Yeshua said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. So the disciples thinking, well, if he's resting, then he must be getting better. He's feeling better. He's able to rest. He's able to get a good night's sleep. And Yeshua was referring to him being dead. And many places in the Bible, it refers to sleep as death, all throughout the Bible. Uh, refers to Moses that way, uh, King David that way, Solomon that way. Uh, really, all the kings in the Bible are referred to that way as, as having slept, going to sleep when they died. Uh, it's mentioned um, in the Gospels. It's mentioned in the Epistles. Uh, it's mentioned in prophetic books like the book of Daniel. Just about every biblical author uses the term sleep to describe uh, death, the type of state that we're in at death. And, and it's a pretty common term in society, even still today, it was much more so a few decades ago, like, like this, uh, like this uh, uh, tombstone there, Sleeping with Jesus, uh, back in 1932. Um, it was very popular. It was used on lots of tombstones. If you go to an old cemetery, uh, we still rip, right? R-I-P, right? stands for rest in peace. Right? They're resting in peace. And still today, if a person takes their pet to the vet because they got rabies or something like that, or they're old and it's time, and they say, I put them to sleep. Yeah. So where do we get these terms? It's from the Bible. Rest in peace, it's from the Bible. This concept is a biblical uh, phrase. And so when we were a more bi biblical, literate society, we used uh, those kind of phrases much more often. When Yeshua came to Bethany, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. 
Many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. As soon as Martha heard that Yeshua was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary was sitting in the house. And so four days guaranteeing that the, his flesh is decomposing, uh, that he is dead, dead, not a fake dead, not a you know, temporary dead, not an unconscious, you know, just knocked out. Uh, he is dead. Four, four days without water, without eating, wrapped and in, a, in a tomb. He is definitely dead. Now what we see going on here is Martha and Mary and these people with her, their friends with them, are sitting Shiva. Now we'll get into that, and that's a very one of the coping mechanisms, and we'll get into more of those next week, coping mechanisms for dealing with grief. And, uh, but here's a good example of it, so I want to point it out while we're here. Uh, so they're sitting together, they're crying, they're in the house, people are visiting with them, it's four days, of the fourth day of their sitting Shiva. And again, we'll get more into that next week. Martha said to Yeshua, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Okay, so experts here, which stage or segment of grief is brought out in the statement? Anger? Some say anger? Blame, blame, anger, yeah. If you would have been here, <laughs> I sent messengers to you, you should have been here by now. You healed all these other people, you didn't do anything for your friend Lazarus. Hey, yeah, okay, anger and blame. What else? Bargaining, yeah. Pray to God, God will do whatever you say, just pray to him, please pray, please pray to him and, and, and he'll come back, he can do whatever. Right? Denial, denial's in there, yeah. He shouldn't be dead. You're the Messiah. <laughs> he would still be alive today. He should be alive today. I can't believe he's not alive with you here on the scene. But of these five, so of these five, and if they're in the house crying, right, and I think they were, and we'll see that here in another few verses, so you have depression there as well. Right, so four right in this verse or two. As verse 21 22. And then verse 23, and Yeshua said to her, your brother will rise again. Verse 24, Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. What segment? Acceptance. Yeah, it's acceptance. I know he's going to rise. I know he'll be alive again. I know it's all going to be good. I know it's all going to work out. I know when you come again, he's going to rise from the dead. That's acceptance, yeah. So we see here in just four verses, and only three of those verses were Mary's, uh, Martha speaking, she's expressing all five segments in just three verses. And so we see her bouncing back and forth through those segments very quickly in her mind. And so there's no set time, there's no set order, there's no set pattern. And she's going through it. And we go through it, again, with every kind of loss. You'll see it more and more now that you're familiar with them. And every little thing, again, little keys, pencil, whatever. Uh, loss of time, you know. I'm sitting here five minutes already. Where are they? Yeah, lost, lost five minutes of time. Yeshua said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, 
though he may die, he shall live. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. That's very powerful. He draws out of her a very powerful testimony. And what he's doing here is he's moving her from emotion to logic. He gives her a logical statement, a factual statement, that I am the resurrection, I am the life. And this is before he died and resurrected himself. He's proclaiming it. I am the resurrection. I am life. If you believe in me, believe in my sacrifice for your sins, you will never die. You will have eternal life. Do you believe this? It's drawing her out to logically, consciously make a decision, make a choice. And so see, that's one of the processes of moving from motion to logic. And then she does, makes a powerful profession. Yes, you're the Messiah, the Son of God. Very, very powerful. And if we also believe, if we also accept his sacrifice in our behalf, we also will have the assurance of everlasting life. Forgiveness for our sins and the power to live godly lives here today and for eternity. Martha called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Yeshua had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. And when Mary came to Yeshua, she fell down at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same words. Same exact words. Word for word in the exact order. Where'd you get that? They must have been repeating it to each other over and over and over again. So we see they've been experiencing this grief and these segments of grief over and over again for four days together. And, uh, and she falls down at his feet. You see, it's crying, it's a going through the process. Again, that's okay, it's all good. Verse 33, when Yeshua saw Mary crying, and also the Judeans who came with her crying, he was deeply moved and also troubled. And then verse 35, shortest verse in the Bible, maybe one of the most powerful verses in the Bible, Yeshua cried. And that is so beautiful. Now, he took on human flesh, and I'm sure he cried at times. I'm sure when Joseph died, he, and he was at his funeral and the laws, he cried. But here, he's not crying for his own loss. He's not crying for the loss of his friend. Because he knows what he's going to do. He's crying with Mary. He's crying with Martha. He's crying for their pain. He's crying with the others there. And he cries with you and me. He is directly connected to us. He's not in some faraway place. We are hardwired together with him. And there's no tear that we shed that he doesn't shed also. He feels our pain. He knows our pain. He experiences our pain with us. We are never alone. There is someone who does understand exactly what we're going through. 
And there's no joy, there's no smile, there's no laughter that we experience that he does not rejoice in with us as well. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He makes us at one with him. He enters into us and he draws us to enter in the communion with him. And he's not only crying here for Martha and Mary and the others there grieving with them, a loss of their loved one. He's grieving for all those who won't believe on the testimony and the power of what he's about to do. And he grieves for that. He grieves for those who refuse to accept his sacrifice, who refuse to accept his love, who refuse to believe in him. And that grief he will carry with him for all eternity. Verse 39, Yeshua said, take away the stone. And Martha said, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. And Yeshua said to her, did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? She is so firmly in acceptance at this point. <laughs> she doesn't even want a miracle. She's, you know, I know, I know he's going to resurrect in the last day. Don't even, you don't even have to do anything. Don't take away the stone. I've accepted it. It's okay. Don't do anything. And that's not an expression of one of the five segments. That's an expression of unbelief. <laughs> Yeshua just said, I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. Yes, I know. And I believe you're the Messiah. He says, okay, roll away the stone. No, 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 no. Don't do that. <laughs> and sometimes the biggest uh, hindrance to the answer to the prayers, our prayers, is ourselves. <laughs> God's wanting to answer the prayer. Go back and ask for the job again. No, I, they'll, never ever, they'll never offer it to me again. <laughs> they already said no. They already fired me there. <laughs> so we hinder. Right? If, they didn't, if he didn't push the issue and make them roll away the stone, <laughs> Lazarus would, would have still been there, stuck there. Sometimes God pushes us and uses us to answer the prayer. And they took away the stone. And Yeshua lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. And he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus came out, bound hand and foot with cloth. And Yeshua said to them, loose him and let him go. He is the resurrection. He is life. Proves it here. And he proved it in his own life, being raised from the dead, having victory over death and sin and the grave. And he will give us victory as well. He will give us both new lives here and now, spiritual new lives as we die to self. And the crucified with him, he will born us anew, giving us new hearts and new minds to live holy and fully for him. And he'll resurrect us on that last day. Bring us into the mansions that he is preparing for us. So Lazarus came forth from the tomb. He doesn't say, Lazarus, come down. He says, Lazarus, come forth. How many have ever read the book in, in, the, in the Bible, the book of Lazarus? 
You read the book of Lazarus in the Bible? Right? Right between Mark and John, right? You ever read it? <laughs> How about the chapter? How about the chapter? The chapter, you read the chapter that was authored by Lazarus? The chapter that Lazarus penned? How about the verses where he's speaking and they're quoting, Lazarus said this is what it was like for four days. You missed that one? It ain't there, that's right. There's not even a line, there's not even a sentence of what it was like. Because, as Yeshua said, he was resting in peace. He was asleep. As Solomon said, the dead know not anything. There are several people in the Bible who were raised from the dead, and not one of them wrote a verse, not one of them wrote a chapter, not one of them wrote a book. No bestsellers. <laughs> resting in the grave. I mean, if he was in heaven for four days, He'd be pretty mad at Yeshua for bringing him back, wouldn't he? <laughs> I love my sisters, but hey, it was nice. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be back here. That'd be a cruel thing. Right? Give him four days and then take that away. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18, it says, We do not want you to be uninformed about those who are asleep, so that you may not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Yeshua died and rose again, so with him God also will bring those who have fallen asleep in Yeshua. For this we tell you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall in no way precede those who are asleep. So we grieve, we all grieve. Believers and unbelievers grieve. But believers don't grieve in the same way that unbelievers grieve. God give us, gives us coping mechanisms to deal with our losses. But when we don't have him, when we don't believe in him, there's an emptiness, there's, there's, there's distress, there's loss, the permanent loss, permanent holes, permanent emptiness, despair. And that's why we see so much suicide and alcoholism and drug abuse and, and so many people depressed, deep depression. They don't have the coping mechanisms. He doesn't say you don't grieve. He says you may, but so that you do not grieve like the rest of the world. Faith empowers us and helps us. It gives us the ability and the power to cope. So if we believe that Yeshua died and rose again, if we believe that he died for our sins, that he took the punishment for our sins, we are freed from those sins. He's already paid the price. We are liberated from them. He has removed them. He is our Savior. He has saved us from the punishment of sin. And He is the resurrection. He is the life. He has saved us of the power of sin. It doesn't have to have victory over us anymore. We don't have to be controlled by passions and, and, and habits anymore. He gives us victory and new life in Him. Victorious life in Him. And we will see Him coming again. And we which are alive and remain won't precede them, nor go after them. They won't precede us. We won't precede them as the text continues. For the Lord himself shall come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with a voice of the archangel, with the blast of God's shofar, 
and the dead in Messiah shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Encouraging words. Encouraging words. We will meet him together with our loved ones who believed in him and who have passed on before us. Together, experience that first sight of him, seeing him with the blinders off, with the, the dark glasses gone, seeing him face to face, seeing him clearly. We get to experience that together with them, united with them, raised from the dead, come up six feet out of the ground, and then together at the command of the shout, just this is really the same thing. It happened to Lazarus. And just like Martha said, yes, I know he will raise at the last day. And Lazarus eventually did die <laughs> again. And he will raise again. At the last day, like Martha said, like Paul's saying here. We'll go to meet him in the clouds. And then he'll take us to the mansions he's preparing for us. Glorious time. The last shout. The last shofar. The last blast. The ultimate Yom Kippur. We get to fly. Meet him in the air. Angels coming, gathering forward. Gathering us together. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. Almost the same thing. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last shofar. The shofar will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we will be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruptibility, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this corruptible will have put on incorruptibility, and this mortal will have put on immortality, as it is written, death is swallowed up in victory, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. As we're gathered together, the dead and Messiah raised, awakened, and us together with them, rising up in the air, our angels carrying us forward. We will turn back to the grave. We will turn back to death. Oh, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? It is powerless at the command of the Lord. It is powerless at the shout of the Lord. It is powerless at the trumpet, the shofar of God. And so our loved ones who died in the Messiah, we will see them again. We will be united with them again. We have this hope, this great hope, eternal hope. We look forward to that day. And even our loved ones who've chosen to reject and unbelief and refuse God's great offer of salvation freely given to them, freely bestowed upon them before we were ever born, even to them. We know that God gave them every opportunity, that God loved them with an everlasting love, and that it's their own choice. That they didn't want to be there. That they wouldn't be happy there if God forced them to be there. That same selfishness would still be there. And so in mercy, God won't let them be there. 
Either way, we will be at peace and we will know and have assurance that God is love. And so as we look at these segments of grief and the coping mechanisms, so for denial, logic. Yes, I can't believe it, but it's happened. Anger, blame, forgiveness. And we can blame God too, right? God, why did you take them from me? Why did you allow that to happen? But forgive. Forgive ourselves. Forgive others. Whoever we're blaming at the time, whoever we're angry with at the time. Choose by God's grace, and we've talked about that before. We don't have the power to forgive on our own. But God gives us the power to forgive. Bargaining. We can surrender. That's not wrong, again, to go back and try and get the job. (laughs) It's not wrong to make a conscious choice. I'm going to put my keys in the same spot. Not lose it again, not pay that hundred dollars again. There's nothing wrong with that. There's also surrender. Lord, your will be done. And if it's according to your will for me to get that job back or get that healing to take place or you miraculously raise that person from the dead before, your res- before the last day, then your will be done. It's okay to bargain. It's again okay to go and reapply or try or whatever. But at the same time with that, as Yeshua did, but not my will, your will be done. And depression, again, it's okay to cry, but even through the tears, having faith, that God knows what's best, he's allowing this for some greater purpose that I may never know in this lifetime, and I can trust him anyway. And so faith, to help us to cope with the depression of it, going through grief, when we're grieving, and acceptance, because we have the hope. We have the eternal hope. He's coming again. Soon and very soon, we will see him coming on the clouds. So these are the steps, these are the process. And again, we'll look at some other things next week that help us in coping with grief. These five things God has given us, these mechanisms God has given to us, help us not to go into total despair or raging anger or in Uh, running away, denial, suppressing the thoughts and the reality. So as we look at these things, have you experienced the death of a loved one or some other significant loss in the last 12 months? And if so, can you identify which segment of grief you're in right now? It's not so important to know the names, but to be able to identify it so that no, we're not Meshuggah, we're not crazy, this is normal. Everyone goes through it, we all go through it all the time. And to identify is helpful to then use the right coping mechanism to deal with it at that time. So as you look at those, if that applies to you, let God work in your life. Can you remember being in the other segments? Have you suppressed and stuffed down any segments of grief? Denial, anger, blame. Bargaining, depression, acceptance. If you're grieving any loss, take comfort in that Yeshua is grieving with you. He cares for you. He is touched with your very feelings. There's no joy that he does not enjoy with us, nor any tear that he does not shed with us. So take comfort in that. 
If you have lost a loved one, take comfort in that Yeshua loves that person even more than you ever could. Have hope in the resurrection and a fair, just, merciful judgment. God is on their side, and they would have had to consciously, consistently, rebelliously, purposely chosen to reject his free love and grace in order to miss out on heaven. And if that's the case, again, obviously they didn't want it. Are you looking forward to resurrection morning? When he awakes, the sleeping saints. I am. Let us be faithful and true until then. Amen. So if any of those apply to you, let God work his healing of going through any type of grief, again, a big thing or a small thing, whatever it is, major loss, any loss, let God walk us through the stages together. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we praise you that you understand what it's like to experience loss. You came down to this earth and physically experienced it in your own life. Loss of people dying, loss of disciples running away from you, rejecting you, other people rejecting you, close friend betraying you. Lord, you know our losses and thank you for experiencing them with us. And more than just knowing kind of from experience, thank you for knowing our individual personal loss because you touch, know our heart. You touch us, you're connected to us. Thank you for experiencing our emotions with us. Thank you for experiencing our pains with us. Thank you for experiencing our joys with us. Thank you for loving us and knowing us intimately. Thank you, Lord, that you will work all things together for good. Thank you that you have a plan for our lives. Thank you that no good thing will you withhold from them that walk uprightly. So anything we've lost that wasn't good for us or didn't need it at this time or serves a bigger purpose in your bigger plan, because it was good for us to have now, no good thing will you withhold. Thank you for giving us faith, increase our faith. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for the promise of eternal life. Thank you for the promise of a new heavens and new earth. Thank you that there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more death, no more sadness, no more loss. Lord, hold us fast. Wash away our sins. Fill us with your spirit. Give us the ability to live in faith with you. And preserve us till that day and on into eternity. In Yeshua's holy name. Amen.